Here we go, and we're live. All right, so Mr. John Cooper, that's me presenting my man, uh, Mr. Daniel Monroe. And uh, we've we brought you guys all on this webinar because uh, Dan's got his latest book out, Nothing to Lose. And it's a topic that's uh, dear to me uh, because I believe social connection comes from unconditional behavior and uh, moving away from the need for results. And uh, it's just an awesome way to live. Um, so, so Dan, tell me what made you start writing this book and then we're going to get into some cracking stories. <laughs> awesome. Thanks, Fry. Yeah. Um, you know, it's, it's what you mentioned before about this results thing. I, I spent so much of my life just pursuing results. Like that was my sole drive for every piece of behavior. I simply didn't realize there was any other way. Uh, everybody else seemed to be doing it. There was nothing to even consider questioning about it. And yeah, I guess since I started doing this coaching work, I was, you know, even when I first started, I was still quite attached to results. But the more and more I, I helped other people, I sort of saw that that pain that came from chasing results. You know, this kind of we were talking about it the other day at Brojo closure, always seeking to complete something. And then as soon as you complete it, there's the next thing that needs to be completed. And it was just like this drug that never gave you enough of a hit, you know. And and I just saw this in my own life. Like I uh, I used to always think about the promotions I used to chase. I'd get a promotion. I'd be like, yay, for a week. And then there's the next promotion. And I was just like, am I ever going to enjoy my fucking job? Like at what point does this actually become fun, you know. And that's when I just really started questioning it. And ultimately, you know, writing the book came from just years of digging into the concept of this having something to lose, thinking that I've got some part of me that's going to be taken away or some future thing that I'll miss out on and questioning the belief in that and, you know, what the belief in that does to you, you know, how much it can just destroy your quality of life. And, um, yeah, I've been working on these concepts for years. I started writing Nothing to Lose um, about yeah almost two years ago i think i started writing it <laughs> had to keep updating my own ideas because as i was writing it i was learning about it you know and yeah i was so stoked to finally have it finished well i'm glad i'm glad you had the the uh the the, the notion of closure when it came to finishing the book at least you know what i mean <laughs> <laughs> otherwise yeah, it, the people, <laughs> it does come in handy sometimes but what but i but i totally agree because that's that's what i've been uh, coaching for, for all my years as a coach and it's it's a different way to show up and um, when you don't come from that uh, I call it lack man now not pack man lack man <laughs> when you can just come from that place of just totally enjoying the moment and being satisfied and rewarded through that then actually that that does seem to uh, bring great people into your life uh, great moments great stories great adventures and at all times there's there is literally nothing to lose and um, you know, I, this this first came to me with the concept of play, and uh, you know, and I was uh, I was in a coffee, getting a coffee uh, at Bar from a barista in, in Melbourne, and uh, she said, "What would you like?" And this was just at the time when, uh, you know, we had to make these infield videos, and you know, I felt really awkward doing them, uh, and I just thought, you know what, I don't even, I'm not even going to try and get a girl's number. I just want to play with this girl. That's all I want to do. I don't want anything from her. And she says, what would you like? And I said, can I have uh, your phone number? And at that point, I'd totally switched off from the need for the number. It was just, I'd won already. It was, even if she said, get, get lost, get fucked, I was like, I'd won the game. You know, I was, uh, came away feeling good. And then uh, I just decided to keep playing with it. And she says, what do you mean, a guy just off the street? 
and I said, uh, come on, do I have to order a croissant with it? And at this point, I'm just, I'm just enjoying the role play, I'm just enjoying the fun with her, totally let go of the need for, for the number. And she goes, okay, here it is, and she hands it to me. And at that point, I'm like, I'm thinking, I didn't even really, it's not that I didn't want it, but it's just like I didn't, that wasn't why I was there. And it was just like, isn't that amazing that the same, you could say the same result, but I wasn't even, I was in a no-lose situation there. And uh, for me, that's when, when you move it up from working for an outcome, which is that closure thing, to playing, that's the no-lose. And uh, for me, play is an unbelievable way to, 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 uh, to create that no-lose situation. And, uh, and I know you talk a lot about curiosity as well. Yeah, I, I use curiosity as a kind of um, trying to make this concept tangible. You know, like having nothing to lose quite often the kind of advice is like don't think about outcomes or don't think about results it's really hard to not think about something but if you focus on being as curious as possible it can be a redirect of your attention and so you take it away from the neediness to something else like if I'm in a situation say I'm on a date and I really want to learn about this person it destroys my neediness like if I'm like okay I don't care how they view me, even if they hate me, I just want to find out. I just want to see what it is that they're feeling and thinking. If I'm really interested, that that presence happens and the future just dissipates, like whatever fiction I had about our future together goes away and I can actually be here with them. And it's like you say, like so often, not always, of course, but so often in when you get to that nothing to lose state, the very thing you were needy about in the first place will come to you. You know, and I don't mean like you'll attract it to you magnetically exactly, but if I'm really non-needy in a social situation, people are going to be more attracted to me. It's as simple as that. And the way I see it is just this constant battle between your core values, like this being present, being curious, just enjoying your moment, versus this neediness that comes in and like screws with the message, like you must get, you must keep, you must impress, you must solidify this future for yourself, you know, this kind of fiction. Mm -hmm. Um, and I, I love your, your examples are so perfect when you're like, you're doing it just for the joy of doing it and play such a great, uh, vehicle, I think for nothing to lose. And it's, it's interesting because I know what a lot of guys, they're probably watching this and they'll be saying to themselves, okay, I'm going to do curiosity now as a, <laughs> as a, as a strategy, yeah. you know, or they're going to say, I'll do, I'm going to do self amusement. John's I, I did that play thing. I was doing the self amusement. It didn't work. <laughs> and then they're missing the point, you know, <laughs> they're completely missing the point because it takes a leap of faith to actually be curious without any uh, need for closure, as you say, or need for a reward. And for a lot of guys, it's hard for them to, to, to understand, to fathom, because they're thinking, well, the whole point of being with a girl is to get a result, to get laid. So why would I want to just be within the moment with her? And that, that letting go is, I think I call it a letting go process, but that letting go is where you have to let go of the need for women to be able to be with a woman and continue it with a woman healthily. How would you say it? Yeah, and it's, I mean, the the book is essentially about the how-to of letting go because, you know, letting go is just so difficult. That neediness is in your brain just yelling at you all the time, demanding things, um, scaring you with all these uh, sort of fictional outcomes that might happen and should happen and shouldn't happen and so on. Um, one of the things I talk about in the book is... Um, revealing the strategy. So this is a process of letting go where even if you feel needy, the very act of doing this means you have to let go because you've just like destroyed your chances. So for example, if I'm um, 
if I'm say on a date with a girl and I'm using a strategy of some kind, you know, like I tell her a funny story to make her laugh. And that's the whole reason I told her the story was I'm trying to make her laugh so that she likes me. If I then tell her, look, I've got to be honest, I, I told you that story to make you more attracted to me. Like that was the whole reason I told you the story. In that moment, you totally let go. Even if you feel needy, your brain will go, well, you fucked it up now and just give up. And in that, in that moment, you're now free. You know, and there's so many times where when I was practicing this, like testing this idea, I'd do something like that where I'd be, I'd reveal something that I just thought was going to kill it. You know, like, oh, you know what? I'm really nervous right now. I might look confident, but it's kind of an act. I'm totally nervous right now. These things I'd say, I'd be like, well, that's it. Game over. You know, like my chance is gone. And they wouldn't leave. They would stay. I'd be like, holy shit. And, and the neediness would come back. I'd be like, that worked. And then I'm back to needy again. Exactly. And I had to keep yeah, yeah. detaching, you know, I'd have to keep yeah. letting go through practical, you know, ways. I'd have to keep going. Like what I one of the things I talk about is blast them with honesty. Try to push them away with honesty. You know, like here's the real me, like trying to get rid of them with it. Um yeah. and a good fit for you will stay through that and you'll never have anything to lose with that person, you know? Absolutely. And it's that um I, I've started to look at on, like honest conversation and what that looks like, and uh, as opposed to like the, the uh, approving people approving type uh, language, and uh, I even catch myself doing it. And it's sometimes you know if I feel I'm with this girl and it's going well, I, I, I tend to slip into very approval seeking language, validating language, and uh, you know I'm kind of unless I have a higher level of awareness, I would let that carry on, you know. And I notice that when I'm actually at my most free and liberated and you could say detached, I'm using, uh, I am pushing them away with honesty. And, uh, you know, I am sort of uh, rocking the boat, shall we say. But I know what's happened is, you know, you've take people can actually look at someone that's in the moment and he's looking quite liberated and free. And they'll surface copy the techniques and the mannerisms of that and they'll plug it into a needy guy. And that's why you have things like negs and knocking a girl's status and active disinterest, all this kind of stuff. But that is inconsistent to uh, the person who's actually needy and not letting it out, as opposed to the guy who's completely free, completely let it out. And those are just the natural expressions of a guy that's that's free, you know, socially free. And so it's a, it's a, day, it's a slippery slope if you just want to take the, the techniques of that person who's actually pushing away through honesty versus the guy that's going, Hey Dan, you told me, okay, I'm really needy when I'm, I really want this girl. I've got to push them away with honesty. Okay, I did that? It didn't work. <laughs> you see, it's a very, it's a very, sli it's a, it, it, it might feel like a subtle difference, but the, it's the intention. It's to and it's, uh, it's the miles apart, really. Um, yeah, that's. I mean, you and I talked about this before in terms of what pickup is, and so much of it is this kind of, yeah, it's like photocopying behavior without understanding. It's the intention behind the behavior that's everything. Yeah, you know, and. That behavior worked for that guy that time, but not because of the behavior, but because of his intention underneath it. He was just trying to enjoy himself. He just wanted to see what would happen. He was just pushing himself to be courageously honest. He had these really value-based intentions, and he is totally willing to sacrifice any win for, you know, to have integrity, essentially. And I think this is a key thing. It isn't just nothing to lose, it's willing to lose. Where yeah. you're like, I'm going to put my integrity above everything else that I could get. I'm going to put it above being popular, being attractive. I'm going to put it above fucking career success and wealth and finance. I'm going to put it above everything. Like when I make a decision, first I do the thing that has integrity for me. Whatever I can 
the closest I can get to that in any given moment, you know. And one of the things, you know, that that I had one guy actually, I coached him and then didn't hear from him for like a year. And he got back to me and he's like, bro, I had to tell you, like, I misunderstood the honesty thing. I've been using it as a strategy, you know. Mm-hmm. I've been deliberately, like, being vulnerable to make people like me and stuff. And he, and he, he realized. That's what it yeah. is. It's doing vulnerability. <laughs> yeah. <not> be- <laughs> yeah. And because uh, there's a few things, there's a few things I talk about in the book uh, in order to figure out what the difference is between trying to use it and actually, you know, mm-hmm. being it. And one of the, it's a question I got once when I was on a work training type thing was um we went around the group and everyone had to say what's the one thing you don't want the group to know about you and i was just like that was the most like fucking uncomfortable thing to go through because it's as soon as you ask like what don't you want this person to know about you this thing pops into your mind this darkness you know this truth about yourself where you're just like oh god that thing and um and it's 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 those kind of moments where if you if you're on a date if you feel that you're using strategy you just ask what don't i want her to know that's true about me, you know, and this thing will pop up. And if you can share that thing, that's honesty. Mm. You know, that thing, whatever that thing is, there's no strategy there because your brain goes, if you tell her this, it's all over. And in that moment, you really have like lost everything on purpose. And now you're in that free place again. Because it's like, um, I call it farting on a date. I, I, I was on a date once and I just let one rip. I was like, I'm going to see. I'm going to see what happens. You know, I'm just going to, we're just going to go there. This might be the end of the date, but at least I'll be able to tell a story, you know. Yeah. I was let one rip and she's like, oh my God, did you just fart? I'm like, this is, this is the real me. You know, I was just taking the piss a bit. I'm like, this is, yeah. this is who I am now. You know, this is my smell. <laughs> and, um, you know, and she just cracked up. We, I think we moved tables or we had to move down the bar or something. It was pretty nasty, but she didn't leave, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And I was just like, but yeah. when I, when I farted, I was like, that is yeah. absolutely game over. Like I am now just doing this for me. Like the only reason I'm here yeah. now is for my own enjoyment. And it kind yeah. of worked. Good experiment. Is that part <laughs> of your, you, you set that as your homework? <laughs> Fart in front of me. <laughs> yeah. And it's, I, it's I, like, I, yeah. No, go on, because I'll say something after you've said this. Yeah, I was just going to add something, but carry on, carry on, because I was going to, yeah. Yeah, I'd say it's it's a metaphor. Farting is like letting yeah. out something that you think will appall the other person. And I don't mean deliberately trying to provoke them. I'm not talking yeah. about trying to be offensive, because that's just another form of needy. But I'm talking about more about that thing that you've been holding in that you think will disgust them about yeah. you. Get that out of the way as soon as possible because then you're just going to feel this freedom after that. Like if they know that about you and they haven't left, you're all good. You don't have to moderate yourself anymore, you know? Yeah, yeah. Holding those things back is like a knot, isn't it? It feels like a knot. When you can just, through honesty, release, it's like untying a knot. And it is quite liberating. Yeah, absolutely. I was going to say, when, where, does, where does honesty end and emotional intelligence begin, would you say? I know you're saying it's a metaphor, but... <clears throat> Uh, for instance, I know a lot of people that are so, you know, like their whole radical honesty thing. Uh, and they just, they just believe that's it. That's all they need. And I often give this example and I say, okay, so honesty is all you need. You're at the front row of a concert. On stage is this beautiful, beautiful performer. And, uh, and you've just been told to be honest. So the middle of the performance, she's just talking on stage as an actress, let's say, or she's singing. And uh, you just say, excuse me, I want to fuck you. <laughs> and security come that they, they pull you out the, 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 the you know like the uh, the theater and they just kick you kick you out 
and you're going, hang on a minute, I thought I just need to be honest, you know. So I'm interested to know uh, what your your ideas about emotional intelligence and how that comes in, or do you just think just honesty and just push it to the point of failure because that's just it's all about the cathartic release in that moment. No, yeah, I definitely it's one of those things I've found in any situation. If you're going to the extreme end of the spectrum, it's probably harmful. Um, but with honesty, what I believe in is about understanding that if you're going to you're going to always be choosing how you express yourself. There's a billion things going in your head. Most of them never get released in any kind of way. That's just you're, you're human. You're not going to be able to get it all out. There's no way someone could be really radically honest in terms of every single thing in their mind gets expressed. They don't have the time to do it. So there's always a choice about what you express. And what I found, it's about a balance between different core values. It's a lifelong lesson of learning how to make sure that when you act, it's with integrity. That doesn't just mean being honest. That also means being compassionate. It also means being assertive. It also means being patient, whatever your values are. And so if I'm going to express myself honestly, I'm kind of asking myself also, what is the, the right truth for this context in this moment? What do I know is the right truth to express? And this is an ongoing training that lasts my entire life. That's why this first book, Nothing to Lose, is all about curiosity. It's about trying to figure out what is the truth for this moment. Mm. And that's that's a process like radical um, honesty is, is, in a way, it's like blurting. Like whatever comes to my mind, blah, it's out. Yeah. But let's say I'm being judgmental. Like so if I, I look at someone, I'm like, you're a dick. I just blurt that out because I'm being honest. Mm. I'm not actually being truthful because I don't know what the fuck they are. Yeah. For me to believe that I know what they are is not truthful. So in a sense, it's not honest. Mm-hmm. But if I was to say something more like just then I had this like powerful thought about you and it was really judgmental. Now I'm being truthful. Mm-hmm. And this is different. You know, so if I see that girl on stage and I'm like, oh my God, I'm really attracted to her. It's like, yeah, but she's in the middle of her performance. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to wait until after. And then I'm going to go and express this to her. You know, I'm going to give her that extra gift after she's finished. I don't have to do it right here and now. But also, I need to know the difference between that and like, I'll tell her later and never telling her, which is just neediness, like delaying through like a fear strategy. And that's what the curiosity is, trying to know the difference between all those different Mm. compulsions in your mind to find the one that's your values talking, your integrity talking. I like that. It's, it's, It's honesty in terms of your values, not just the blurt out. Because I think that's why people see it as it's a doing honesty through a, a spoken thing rather than being honest through your beingness, which is, you know, what are you made up of, all your different value systems and, you know, your integrity, compassion, emotional intelligence, what you stand for. And that's you being honest in whatever way that comes out. Yeah. Well, I think one of the key things I talk about in the book is understanding you don't actually know what the truth is. Mm. All you can talk about is what you observe. You know, all you can talk about is what you see inside your mind, inside your body. You, mm. Any sort of statement where you assess something outside of yourself is mm. always a form of lying. Mm-hmm. So if I say that person is this and uh, you're a whatever, that's always mm. a lie because what the fuck do I know? I don't even know if you exist. You know, mm. all I know is my mind's representation of you. That's all I can ever talk mm. about. And if I keep that in mind, then the way I, <clears throat> you know, the language I choose. Mm. So... I talk about an example in the book. Let's say you're pissed off at someone for something they did. 
often someone would express that like, oh, you're so fucking useless, <clears throat> you know. But if you look at, say, that word, useless, mm. have no use. If someone mm. was truly useless, they wouldn't be alive. You know, mm. if they if they really couldn't do anything, they wouldn't be able to shower or eat or whatever. So that, that word is automatically a lie, mm. you know. But if I was to say, look, when I saw you do this, I had this big emotional reaction. That's getting closer to the truth now, and that's something they're not going to take personally as much, you know. So it's not going to destroy a relationship with the way you're truthful, and yet you're actually being more truthful than mm. that first radical thing that you said that you just blurted. It's talking about your own feelings from the from the subjective, yeah. Much more power. It sounds actually a lot like the kind of the nonviolent, the NVC, nonviolent communication. I don't know if mm. you know, but it's about you know compassionate communication rather than making accusations and uh, saying you did this. It's saying I feel this when this happened, and actually it's a much more compassionate way to communicate because that is the honesty, and it's you're not putting you're not putting it on to anyone else. Yeah. Yeah, I learned this. Um, this is actually derived a lot from my work when I was in corrections. Uh, and you know i had to work at we call it de-escalating we get these you know big gang members and shit like that losing their shit and we don't want to get killed you know and we we didn't have weapons we just had our words that was our only tool um and one of the things especially with manipulation we were trained that if you just speak about your feeling in reaction to someone's behavior it's really really powerful and so somebody might be like standing over me and intimidating me. Mm. I'd be like, you know, when you stand up and loom like that, I get this like pressure, like I feel really intimidated. Mm. And you can just see them kind of deflate because you've done two things. One is you've let them see what they look like. And so often mm. they just don't realize that they're like, holy shit, I didn't realize I was being intimidated. Yeah. The other thing is if they're using it as a strategy, you've just called it out now. You've neutralized it. Mm. So they're like, well, and you can be like, see, you're doing it again. And they're like, ah. Oh. And, you know, they, they've got no power in it because it's just been yeah. called it. The elephant in the room is now the discussion. Um, well, that, well, that's interesting because that's exactly what happened to me when I had my laptop stolen. Yeah, and, let's talk uh, about that story. Man. Yeah, like well, because story. I think this fits in so, and I'd like to get your opinion on it because uh, I was in my, my local pub and uh, I took my laptop bag in. It was a Friday night, but it was, you know, like the dining area. I thought it, it was a fairly grown up pub, you know and uh, like gastro pub, left it on the side, only went to dance a few feet away. And I just had the, maybe it was paranoia or maybe it was intuition, but I thought I need to just check on that bag. And it had gone. And I immediately, actually, instead of feeling like, <clears throat> I actually had a, this weird feeling of tranquility. I just, I just get this irrational feeling of to everything's calm, you know? And I just walked straight out and the guy's actually walking 50 yards away with a bag and I just knew it was gonna be mine. I just felt it, ran up to him, didn't even say, oi, mate, I just pulled it. I just could see the, the label on it. It was mine, you know, the, the branding. Pulled it off. As I'm pulling it off him, I fall over. And, uh, and, I'm, and, I'm, and then it, I kind of fall over. I get up and I'm saying, you know, what, are you ha what the fuck are you doing, mate? Why would you take my laptop? And I'm actually, at this point, I'm actually saying it quite loud so that I know that part, so I know the people around can actually quickly establish who's the good guy and who's the bad guy, you know. <laughs> so I'm saying, why would you take my laptop? You know, and then uh, by doing so, he goes what? And he takes his jacket off, and he and he comes to fight me. Now he was drunk, and I think probably on amphetamines as well, right? And at this point, I know that I've got the attention of other people there. That might have calmed me down a little bit, knowing that I've probably got back up if I need it through the general public. You know, they've identified who the good guy is here, who the victim is. And um, as he's sort of taken off his jacket, I felt like I could I could easily confront him with this, and it could end up being a tussle. But I just kind of went. 
dude, what's what what's the matter? What the hell's going on? You you steal my laptop and you want to fight me? Like, what's wrong with you, man? What's up? And with that thing about like, what's your wound? Like, what's the pain? Like, where's this coming from? Like, is there something wrong with you? You know, like you've got something in your teeth type type vibe. You know, you got a bit of spinach in your teeth. What's wrong with you, man? You okay? You just take my laptop. You want to fight me? Are you okay? What's wrong? And in that moment, it kind of like short circuited him. He didn't know what to do. And um, and then he just sort of like shouts an obscenity at me and, and walks away. Uh, and I just thought, brilliant. And then I just actually shouted one back because <laughs> I'm not enlightened yet. But And I just thought, isn't that interesting? Just by switching it up to, I would say, curiosity and removing the, 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 the confrontation and putting it into a kind of, into a void space, this kind of like, uh, this opening where it's more about like what's going on for him and like being a mirror for him in that moment. And actually that seemed to seem to take his power away. It seemed to do something. I wanted to know what, if that fits into some of the stuff you talk about in the book. Absolutely. And, and that's why I love this example. You know, it's when you apply curiosity, it becomes available for everyone involved in the situation. You know, you're saying, Hey, let's look at this thing again. And you know that kind of feeling you get when someone points out a truth about yourself that you just had no awareness of. And when you see it, you're like, fuck, I don't want to be that guy. Like you just you just didn't realize that that's, that's the perception of you. And it's not like I care what other people think. It's more like, actually, that is that what I look like? That's not what I'm trying for here. That's, that's not me. And so often when somebody's behaving in a harmful way, it's very rare for them to actually want to be that person. They're, usually you're witnessing them acting out of neediness they're, they're miles away from their values at this point and that's what i see in this situation this guy doesn't want to like on his headstone was a violent thief he doesn't want that you know oh. and when you've sort of said what's going on he had to look like when you ask someone a question their oh. brain has to answer it oh. it's the, the the way the rational mind works the oh. sort of the neuro neocortex any question it just automatically follows it for for an answer and so he has, when you would, and it's a genuine question, so you're actually mm. curious, not just like mm. a, why are you such a dick type of question, you know? Yeah. Um, but like, what are you doing? What is this? And he actually mm. had to look, what is this? I'm mm. about to beat up someone after I stole their laptop. Is that the kind of guy I want to be? Is it, mm. is this the situation I want my life to be right now? Is this my favorite mm. context? You know, there are people mm. watching me and here I am being an aggressive dick. Is that the kind of guy I want to be? And that might not be the exact like thought patterns, but it's more just like you said, the mirror. He had to see himself going rawr. And like, I remember this thing once. It's so funny. Someone said that, you know, you don't know yourself until you squat over a mirror. And I was like, <laughs> I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. Oh, and I God. really wish I hadn't, you know, I really wish I hadn't. It was a terrible <laughs> thing to see. Um, you can't erase that out of your head. Uh, you can't. You can't erase that in your neocortex. I know what that looks like now, and and it's it's a terrible sight. And but the thing was, I it's a it's a metaphor. Like when you see a side of yourself that others can see, and you realize what it actually looks like. It's not that you're trying to please them, but you just realize how you represented yourself, and it's not accurate. Mm. You know, and a guy like this. Now, if he was like a psychopath, or if he was somebody who had some sort of personality disorder where they thrive on harming people. You calling this out wouldn't have done shit to him. Mm. He would have been like, yeah, this is me. I'm loving this. Let's do it. Mm. But the fact mm. that this like short-circuited him, like you say, and made him walk away, it was mm. him just getting that moment of like, this 
this isn't right something's not right and i he wouldn't have been like you know what i'm not living by the value of compassion he wouldn't have had that going on in his head but he just with this impulse of just like guilt like this isn't right and guilt always just makes you want to leave a situation mm. guilt just makes like you always want to avoid guilt and sometimes that can be helpful when it's your values talking to you and making you feel guilty i talk i call this authenticity guilt in the book mm -hmm. when you like it's that guilt you get the next day so someone yells at you and you yell back and you're like yeah in that moment and the next day you're like fuck i shouldn't have yelled back that's mm. that's your authenticity talking to you after the fears died down you know mm. versus social conditioning guilt where you feel bad when someone yells at you you know because you've upset them that's a different one you know um yeah i went yeah. off on a tangent there no, but in this I, situation I because I, I i saw it as like when i was saying it as well i was quite firm but it wasn't like you say, it wasn't like, uh, why being a dick? It was almost like the energy of it was, if you've ever had a cat and the cat's just like, it's, it's got, you, got your arm locked in and it's, and it's doing the back legs. I don't know if you've ever, anyone had that. It's yeah, pretty yeah. painful actually. And you want to go, Wah! but like, if you actually just leave your arm there, then the cat kind of like starts to feel a bit like guilty or something, you know, the cat starts to go, oh God, what am I doing? I feel a bit of an, of an idiot here. And like my, the way that I'm looking at the cat, is like saying, oh, what, what could be going on for you? What, what, how have I uh, upset you? Why are you upset type thing? And I'm just projecting that onto the cat and I'm leaving my arm there. And in the, not, not every cat, but my cat, one of the, my, my first cat, would just like, just sort of have this look of, oh, I must be doing something silly. And then like, I'll take her claws out and bugger off, you know? And it was almost like that. I had that with the guy. It was almost like, this is the cat that's scratching me and he's just in a bit of a frenzy. What's he doing? Just project that like, what's up you know like are you hurt like the cat poor little kitty are you hurt? you know are you hurt in this moment and it just, it just seemed to just take all his power away it was quite interesting yeah i would actually say it has a lot to do with the i talk about giving you know i gave my curiosity i wasn't trying to take from him and by giving him that he was receiving that and it took us out out of a way from trying to take from each other um so very interesting yeah, there's a chicken and egg situation, I think, with giving and needy um, and like losing neediness. It's yeah. like when you're not needy, you are giving, but also when you uh, engage yeah. in an act of giving, you automatically remove neediness. Yeah. It kind of feeds itself like that. And so yeah. I like that idea of giving curiosity. And yeah. you see this a lot in, especially in domestic um, arguments. You know, partners, there's this need to defend and attack the whole time. They sort of battle yeah. against each other. Yeah. And if one person just brought curiosity to the thing, it would de-escalate instantly. You know, mm. and, and it's in terms of like practical application is before you go to defend yourself, try to understand their position. Mm. Try to fully understand their position. We were talking about, I just had that two-day like mindfuck workshop. Yeah, it's Love it's that all name, about this. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I thought it sounded pretty cool. <laughs> yeah. um, but it was all about this nothing to lose book and the concepts in it. And this is one of the things we looked at is this understanding that whenever somebody else does something, their brain thinks it has a good reason. You know, quite often we do this thing, I call it attaching malicious intent. Somebody's harming you in some way and you think they're actually trying to harm you. You think they're trying to be a dick. They're trying to ruin my life. But you know from your own experience, that's not how the mind works. Their brain's saying, I need to do this because, good reason. Yeah. And curiosity is about trying to get in touch with their good reason. Trying to go, you know, the behavior I'm seeing is like seems to be really harmful. 
but they must have a good reason. I want to understand this. I want to I want to understand how a human could end up believing that this behavior was a good idea. And actually bringing that genuine I want to know thing. So often like in an argument, let's say I've done something to upset my girlfriend and she's like starts throwing like accusations and like uh, angry stuff at me calling me names or something like that mm. i might keep trying to defend against the thing that was originally causing the argument like let's say i i left my clothes on the floor i'll be like i don't always leave my clothes on the floor. like i'm trying to prove myself instead of going wow why does clothes on the floor upset you so much mm. like i've seen you deal with clothes on the floor fine before and this time you're really upset like tell me more what's going on and they're forced through that curiosity to be curious themselves. Mm. And in that moment, they do have to go, actually, why the fuck am I so angry right now? Like, what is going on? But if you defend yourself, all you do is just provoke what's already there. And you just stoke that fire. And they've got no chance of figuring it out. Later on, they'll be like, shit, I shouldn't have yelled at them. You know, and it takes them a day to get there. Whereas you can help them get there right in that moment by going, what the fuck is going on right now? Like, yeah. help me understand. I'm, I genuinely want to understand. I'm not, like, trying to find a way to win this argument. I actually want to know what's going on inside your mind. Mm. And I've just, uh, when I was, you know, when I was working with criminal offenders, it was such a, it was the most powerful thing to, to like, destroy a confrontation was just to bring curiosity into it. I was like, you know what? I'm not going to defend against anything you're saying. Mm. I'm going to assume that you believe what you're saying is true, and I want to know why you believe that. You know, I um, when I was managing uh, offenders, so many of them, they had to abide, abide by these legal conditions that they really didn't want to do, you know, go and do programs or whatever. Mm. And um, that was a common common thing that would come up. They're like, oh, fucking government's just trying to control me. Fuck you guys. You guys are so blah, blah, blah. And it's so tempting for me to go, no, we've got your best interests at heart mm. and blah, blah, mm. and defend mm. it. But instead, I could be like, wow, I can see you're really frustrated by that. I wouldn't, I'm not condoning I'm not agreeing with them, mm. but I'm, I'm I'm validating their emotions. I'm saying, you know what, you feel something. I'm I'm with you. You know, I don't I don't agree with the content of your words, but I don't need to fight against that. I just want to I want to explore why this upsets you so much. And I'd be like, tell me, man, tell me why this is such a big thing for you. And so often I'd get this big story, like how their whole life their interaction with government departments has been negative. You know, they were taken away from their parents when they were younger by one government department. They were put, they're acting out as a teenager and they got punished by another government department. They were put in prison by another government department. They were arrested by another government department. And I'm just another government department. Mm. This is why I'm seeing this. Mm. And then I bring more curiosity, you know, so you've had this awful history of government departments. I hear you. You know, what would we need to do to reset to zero with me and you? And this mm. is all this needs to be explored before I can go back to the original thing they were pissed off about, you know? Mm. Mm. We, I, I just, or saying, you know, what would you like to have happen? That seems to be a very good uh, question to ask in that moment, you know, especially oh, yeah. on, a bit of, on a bit of a downward, uh, downward kill of everything, you know, what would you like to have happen is uh, just, that's just that one question that I've had over the years. It tends to, switch things around you know but uh i mean that you've you've actually that's a, a, something i want to mention is that you've had a quite an interesting background in working with offenders and uh, that's a kind of a slightly different to most people in the kind of this industry and how do you think that how do you think that has helped you in terms of coming up with information for guys in a dating context and also just socially would you say 
One of the biggest ones for me, uh, I talk about in the, the first chapter of my book, I called it We're All Criminals. Mm. And what I talk about in the book is actually, in corrections, I learned how similar I am to all of these people that are so-called criminals. That especially criminal behavior, when somebody engages in something harmful, the pattern mm. they follow mentally or psychologically is the same pattern I follow when I do harmful stuff. Now, I might not break the law, but I do stupid shit. I do thing that's, things that sabotage my potential future. I do all this stuff. I just do it in a different way to them. But the way my mind works around it is the same. It's the same mm. template and blueprints of neediness causing me to follow patterns and so on. Mm. Um, and I think what really helped me with this is, you know, we talk about, say, guys and girls dating. How many guys come to the dating scenario looking at women as this different species? looking at women as something other than just another human. And it's that very perspective that just makes it so difficult for them. You know, they get across the table at the day from this creature that they have to try and manage, you know. And oh. one thing working in corrections taught me is that we're just all human. Like, we have all the same insecurities and bullshit in place, oh. and actually that's what we connect on. If we can just get that stuff out in the open. You know, it's interesting you said before that kind of... Uh, what was that question? Um, what are you trying to get out of this or something? What would you like to, well, which bit? Well, with the guy? Oh, uh, no, no, just before you said you had like a just question. That, what would you like to have happen? Yeah, that one. I, I, yeah. Your wording's much better. Uh, what would you like to have happen? I um, I actually did a little experiment with dating. Is I'd start, when I'd be on a date with someone and I'd actually ask them, like, what is dating usually for you? Mm. You know, when you're on a date, what do you usually have to do, you know? Mm. And they'd tell me, and, and in that moment, we could get to being normal humans again. I'd be like, yeah, God, don't you hate how you have to try and impress the other person? And don't you hate that pressure you feel like, oh, I hope this is the one and all this shit? Yeah. And I'd be talking about that with my date. And in that moment, we both just become two people talking. It's yeah. no longer this role play thing. It's no longer this two species trying to communicate thing. It's just like two humans commiserating on the fucked upness of the dating scene in today's yeah. times, you know. And, and so often it's that, that sort of, you know, that's, that's what I got from working with offenders is that if I stopped looking at them as being different to me, I immediately saw the similarities. Like I could find things in common with a serial killer. I could find things in common with sex offenders, with guys who drink, drive and kill people. I found things in common in a human level. Like, okay, I'm not going to go and beat someone half to death, but I know that feeling. And I know reacting to that feeling in a way that I regret. I know that much. Because I think one of the key things for me when I was working with offenders that blew my mind is how guilty some of them felt. In fact, how guilty most of them felt. I always thought of criminals as being this like heartless group of people. They're just like, fuck yeah, fuck the world. And there's a small percentage of them who are, and they need to be like buried under the prison. They're very dangerous people, like the proper evil ones. But... They're very small percentage. The rest, they they have to go through this big storytelling in their mind to get okay with their own behavior because they know it's wrong. Not just legally wrong, but to their own ethical standard, it's wrong. Mm. When a guy beats up his partner, there's always this kind of thing afterwards where he's like, well, you know, she really provoked me and I've had a hard day. He has to tell himself a story. Mm. And it's the very act of telling himself that story that I was familiar with. I'm like, yeah, you know, when I overeat, I tell myself a story to justify it. You know, when I talk myself out of 
going up to the girl I'm attracted to, I have to tell myself a story about why I didn't go up to her. I know that storytelling thing to get rid of guilt. Fuck, we do. We both do this. You know, and honestly, if you can get to a point where you understand that everyone's human, they no longer intimidate you and you can actually be genuine with someone. And then that's when dating life and everything starts to take off. Because somebody meets you on a date, they've been on 10 dates from Tinder, all of them were people performing, and then they yeah. meet you and you're real. It's just mm. like, holy shit. They don't even know how to act. There's this, there's no rules yeah. to this situation. And they're free. Yeah, I mean, I f that, that's, that's a good point because that level of presence actually can actually be quite frazzling to some people because they're almost used to the kind of the, uh, the, 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 the stage show of uh, performance meets performance, mask meets mask, and you just come along just warts and all. And uh, that level of nakedness can actually be, I, I, in my experience, it's actually frazzled some people. Some people it's developed a, an immediate connection that feels like I've had it when you're with a girl and she's just, and you're like, I can't believe we've only known each other for two hours. That, that is when you know that you've really, like it's naked versus naked, shall we say. You know, and I love those with people because it's like when you have that connection, it's just like, boom. You're my, you're my person, you know, I've been waiting for you for a while, you know, and I love it. This is great. Other times, you know, I've been very real and honest, but then you could still feel like this person doesn't really want to show that side of themselves. So, and you're trying to just be open and relaxed and hoping that I always say like the stronger reality tends to bring the other one out in a way. So um, if one person's being quite fake and the other one's being quite real, it's whoever's holding the stronger sense of reality in that moment tends to tends to cycle through the other person if, if you like you know I've noticed that experience but uh, I have been in, in on dates where uh, the girls just been so performy <laughs> uh, it's been so contrived that actually I've started to feel even though I went in there feeling quite real I've started to almost contrive my sentences it's starting to feel a bit stifled because she's starting to almost affect me and I felt very relaxed when I went in there. And uh, we've all had the experience of like an awkward conversation or you might have like a, you know, when you have like the, the party with the boss, you're, you know, you have the work party and you, you somehow get landed with the boss on the night out. And you're like, yes, how are you? Yes, yes. How, have you got brothers and sisters? Yes, yeah. And you're like, Jesus Christ, get me out. <laughs> you know what I mean? So yeah, I, do know, I do know that feeling. But uh, it's actually nice when you can just, like you said, you can almost speak about the awkwardness and that releases the awkwardness or uh yeah no absolutely you know i had a flashback just then when you were talking i was <laughs> um when i first started really exploring this i was just sort of coming out of of pickup and i was i was going more and i'd been doing like direct game and i was liking the the honest approach and i was like mm. i think there's another level of honesty because i'm still using a strategy here and i'm not mm. telling them that i'm doing that and it's like when I was working, because I was still working at corrections, and I knew that when I was working with staff, I always told them if I was using a strategy on them. I'd be like, I'm going to use this technique on you now, like, because I don't want to like yeah. trick you. I just, I want your full permission before I, I manipulate you, you know. Yeah. <laughs> I realized I wasn't doing that. I wasn't doing that with women, you know, when I'd be like, oh, yeah, and telling them an interesting story. I wasn't telling them why I was telling them that story, you know. Um, but uh, I, I was I was out. It was a Christmas dinner, a work Christmas, like those cringeworthy fucking things. Yeah. And my team was there, and this was like an. Ex I was in the sort of upper management role now, and it was so it was all the executives and stuff from corrections, and my team had all huddled together at their own table, 
And I turned up and I saw this and I was like, well, what the fuck's the point of us just having dinner together? We already know each other. Like there's this range of people here. Like let's mix it up. And my team fucking hate me. I just walked like ghosted them and then went and sat down next to this random dude. Yeah. And uh, I saw this guy and, you know, he had a suit on and everything. And I, I just started expressing myself as honestly as possible. Like at this stage, I was literally willing to lose my job because I wanted to become a coach. Um, so I just, I didn't care who he was or what I said, you know, I was swearing, I was talking about being in a metal band, I was talking about girls, like not, not a single, everybody else was talking about working at corrections and me and this guy, he was telling me about his mountain, I remember all of this, telling me about his mountain biking and his fears he had for his daughter and all this stuff. And that's the thing. I can still remember the content of the conversation because it was so real, you know? Mm-hmm. And uh, afterwards, I was like, we're about halfway through the conversation. I'm like, dude, I don't even know who the fuck you are. Like, who are you? Um, and, he, <laughs> and he told me his name. And I was just like, holy shit. He's the um, the next one down from the CEO. He's like the CEO's right-hand man guy. Yeah. Like, this is the second top guy in the Department of mm-hmm. Corrections. And I'm talking about how like how his daughter can deal with guys trying to fuck her and all this sort of stuff. <laughs> um, and I was just like, holy shit. But mm. me and him, we're just two guys talking. Like, yeah, yeah. because I didn't know about that status at the start, mm. we were just two guys. As soon as I, if I had heard that before we started, yeah. it would have affected me. And I realized that status thing's all in my head. It's a complete mm. fiction. When I didn't think of it, I didn't know about it. He was just a guy and I could just be a guy with him. And I thought, well, there's something in that. There's definitely something in that. If I keep allowing myself to remind myself that I'm talking to another fucking primate, it's just a human who shits like everybody mm. else. Yeah. And there's nothing this person has that I need. You know, I've yeah. survived my whole life before meeting them. There's nothing survival-wise I require Mm. from this person. Mm -hmm. If they leave my life, I'll continue living. Mm. Life will Mm. continue. And it's 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 one of those things that's easier said than done. And I I was talking to uh, I was talking to a client about this. He's like, "Well, I do want a relationship, though. I can't turn that off." And I said, "I get you. Nothing to lose doesn't mean you don't want anything. You know, Mm. what it means is that you don't need it from this situation." So this is one of the things you can apply to dating, I think, is to understand when you're on a date with someone, yes, you do want a relationship, but it doesn't have to be with this one. Hmm. It doesn't have to be this person or no one else. You know, yes, you do want sex, but you don't have to fuck this person. Hmm. You know, and the best thing you do is tell them about what you want. Reveal Hmm. that this might be influencing you. You know, I had this, uh, you mentioned before about that instant connection. And how you mm. feel like you've known each other for ages. On my yeah. second, second or third date with my girlfriend, we were like doing this thing where we were trying to find out the deepest secret about each other. Mm. And after we did this, she was just like, fuck, I feel like I've known you for five years. And it was our, mm. like our third date. I think we were telling each other we loved each other by about the fifth time we were together. You know, it was just, <laughs> yeah, it was just this massive escalation. Yeah. It's totally genuine. We're still together now. We're about to hit one mm. year. And um, we just, People can connect that quickly. It's just it takes them so long because they have to wade through all the bullshit first, you know, because mm. they're trying to keep each other. Mm, Whereas actually, mm. like, if you really want to sustain something, just go full, full starkers into honesty. And it's either going to yeah. blow the thing up or it's, you know, it's going to um, destroy it. And mm. I don't know. I just I just found that. Yeah, it really struck me when you said that before. Yeah. Because I think in that moment when you were talking to the to the boss, it's just like, um, 
yeah, you did, like you said, you didn't need anything. Therefore, you could just enjoy the conversation without that closure for anything, you know. And uh, that's the, the alternative to that is the world that we live in, society we live in, is that somehow we think that we've got to ingratiate ourselves to, to people, to companies. Even the idea of interviews, for instance, you know, is wrong because it's saying you have something that I need. Let me try and fit into you and impress you. And that's just the way that we've been taught from childhood. We've got to fit in. We've got to. We've got to, you know, wear uniform, you know, from school all the way to in the off in the workplace. We wear cuff collars and tie, you know, generally. It's similar that the corporate status. And it, 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 if you're not a part of that, then you're ostracized, you're marginalized because you're different and you're not willing to ingratiate yourself to someone or something. And unfortunately, that is just it's permeated society in a way, that uh, mentality. But it's so nice when you can just go, I'm going to here's a conversation. What? What for? Just for a conversation, just to connect. Or connect to do what? To get something? No, just to connect. What do you mean? Connecting? It's almost some. It's it's almost become a perverted. A conversation's almost become perverted these days because it's it generally needs to end up with something uh, to the point where that's why you have people. It's a face-off. It's a standoff. It's navigating through each other because everyone wants to take a little bit from each other. And then when you just turn up, going, I'm just going to enjoy the present moment with you that sometimes people just don't even know how to deal with that. Yeah, I, um, I think one of the things that really helped me with this was when I tried to define what a relationship was, mm. and I realized I couldn't. There was no marker I could put in something and say, that's what a relationship is. You know, mm. does it mean you spend time together? Does a relationship end when the person leaves the room? Well, no, it doesn't. So what is it? Does it mean somebody said, well, it's somebody you have sex with? I'm like, so when you're not having sex, what are you? You know, this kind of thing where I realized a relationship is not a thing. Mm. It's just a label we give to interacting with somebody. And everything is just interacting with someone. And we were looking at that closure thing the other night. And somebody's like, you know, I can see myself. I'm always chasing that next end game. You know, like get the date or maybe get the number, then get the date, then get the sex, then get the girlfriend, boyfriend status, and then get the six month mark, and then get the children, and then get the marriage or whatever. So it's constant, like just chasing the next goal line and i thought well what's at the end of that chase and the guy was he just went silent for a second he went death i'm like <laughs> well why are you running towards death so quickly you know yeah. i mean and the death thing was a big one for me i for me over the last five years a lot of mm. my work has been trying to come to my terms with my fear of death mm. you know that's um i remember when i first i was getting stoned with a friend once when i was like 14 mm. And we both just went, we we're talking about something and we both came to this realization, holy shit, we're going to die. And it was the first time we'd really acknowledged it. Mm. And uh, we just, I remember we we're just hysterically laughing all night out of fear. Like, oh my God, we're going to fucking die. Like, this is so <laughs> bullshit. Like, we can't even stop it. We've got no choice. It's going to happen. And we're just panicking. And I see this, like, this ironic thing where people are chasing goal lines as if some way there's a way to prevent that death. And yet the very chasing of those goal lines just takes you to it as quickly as possible with no enjoyment along the way. Mm, yeah. And my coach sent me something once. He, um, he sent me a thing. He said, write down what you'd do with the next year if you knew it was your last. If you knew you, a doctor says you're going to die in 12 months, how would you mm. spend that 12 months? Yeah. And I thought that was a great way to, it was a great time frame because 12 months is long enough where you're not like, well, fuck it, just give me the heroin and hookers. You yeah. know, I'll just go out with a bang. <laughs> At 12 months, you're like, I'm going to have to actually sustain some living for a while here. Mm. Um, and I, I was writing down what I'd do, and it was 
none of the achievement stuff. It was traveling the world and seeing stuff. It was spending time with my family and friends and connecting deeply with them. You know, it was experiencing as much as I could, no matter what that experience was, just getting out there and living. And I thought when I really face death, it makes me want to live properly, you know, and live in a way where if you already know death's going to happen, there's nothing left to lose. You can't retain anything after death and you know that. So there's nothing to keep. There's nothing to get. There's just experience. There's just racking up as many interesting memories as possible before that end date, you know, and that that really helped me. It's it's just something I don't say it's going to help everybody, but when I started, like actually reminding myself that death's going to happen before big things, those yes. big things just became experiences. Like if I had to MC an event and I'm all nervous about being on stage and all the people looking at me, yes. I'd be like, you know, I could die after this event. This might be the last thing I ever do. So I might as well just enjoy it. You know, I might as well just if I'm going to be nervous, just experience being nervous. Fuck it, it's just a human experience. You know, if I'm if it goes poorly, I'll I'll have a laugh about it. Whatever. Like, if if I'm reminded that I'm going to die, the the need to keep or get something just kind of disappears for me, and that's when I can actually enjoy being alive. Because mm. every time I'm trying to get something, I don't actually enjoy it. Really, I don't. That mission, I might find parts of it enjoyable, but they're usually the parts where I'm so focused that I've forgotten about what I'm trying to get. You know, but. Yeah, it's, that, it's those moments that you you may be going towards something, but like the the happiness comes when you don't need it and you're you're just fulfilled in whatever you're doing. And it's the people I I wrote this, but I say um, the people that are most unhappy are the po people that are trying to be happy. Mm -hmm. It's the people the people that are actually happiest are the people that aren't trying to be happy because they're not looking for it as if it's something outside themselves, like this goal they need to to get. Like for me, the people that are most happy are the people that don't even judge if they're happy or not you know and it's not this thing that they need to go towards uh, whereas i think the most miserable people are the ones that said oh you know i'm really happy today and you know like uh, i really want to be happy well don't make it this holy grail that you need to reach or just just find the stillness and find the find the well-being in that moment and uh, that's enough you know and uh, and i just i think that is just that that's why i call it the pack man or lack man and uh, you know he's never happy no matter how many dots he eats and uh, I, I love using pac-man as a metaphor because he can never be still either if you've ever played pac-man it's impossible just to leave him still i think he just he autom automatically goes in one direction or the other right and all he attracts is ghosts so <laughs> <laughs> yeah. but, uh, but uh i was going to ask you something else there as well i think it's a good time now just to um mention where people can find the book Oh, yeah, of course, yeah. Um, Jesus, that's yeah. why we're here. <laughs> right, yeah. I'm trying to let go of my neediness so I don't try yeah. to sell the book, you know. Um, yeah, nothingtolose.brojo.org. Uh, there's the website there. And, um, yeah, that's uh, grabbing copy. There's all, there's all these pre-order options available. Um, I'm doing some packages with coaching and with other bonuses and stuff. If people want to grab it there. And, um yeah, it's, the book is essentially the how-to of what we're talking about because it's not about how to be curious as such. It's about how to get back to curious, which is the actual, the baseline setting. You know, in the, in the book I, I reference um, the the psychology of babies and infants. And there's I've heard a lot of people use this example because I think it's such a good one. Watching a baby learning to stand, mm. how it does it for the sake of learning how to do it. 
like failure doesn't matter there's no sense of humiliation if other people watch them fail they haven't learned that yet they just know that they feel this drive to want to learn how to stand so they just keep trying until it happens mm. for them that's just that's what makes sense and the very you can see them thrilled at their attempts mm. even the failed attempts you see the baby like beaming around you know trying to look like, look i tried and um i love that i thought we must get taught out of that because we start quite pure like let's just explore things let's put this in our mouth and see what happens you know let's that kind of baby the phases and then i remember i was watching uh, i'm watching my nephew grow up at the moment he's he's past this um he's past the standing stages into the walking stage now and what's interesting is already he'll walk and then he'll look to see if you noticed and i was mm -hmm. like oh it's beginning already He's yeah, starting like to see that, like, yeah, yeah, he needs yeah. a needs a bit of a pat on the back. And essentially, you know, the book is all about getting back in a much wiser way to those original core values, that curiosity, how you can go into something and go, let's see what happens, rather than I hope this happens or let's try to make this happen. Just yeah. actually, I'm going to, this. everything's an experiment. Everything's practice. Everything's just a draft. Yeah. Um, and just how free you are and you, it doesn't mean you lose motivation you can still have goals you can still have a destination on the map that you're heading toward but it's just to give you a direction to walk in you yeah. don't actually have any real attachment to getting there you know yeah. one of the things i recommend with people doing goal setting in the book is yeah. never achieve your goals whenever you get close to achieving them push it out further make it so yeah. that the goal is just a direction source it's actually not something you want to finish let go of finishing things and just be on yeah. a constant movement you know Absolutely. and yeah. Love like an evolution yeah yeah i say it's, it's intentions not goals you know because you have the intention towards something but if it goes somewhere else it's you know it's fine fine either way whereas having a goal it's just like if you don't get it then you failed in a way because that's what the whole thing was about you know um so yeah so everyone who's watching i don't normally do this and that's because uh you know dan is one of the few people that i have holding high accolade and uh, that's why, you know, I've wanted to bring him on in this webinar and do this. So if you kind of, if you like my stuff even, then you'll see a lot more of it uh, written through the eyes and mind of Dan. And uh, he brings in a lot of different, uh, you know, anecdotes, stories and, and accounts from his, his history of working with uh, a myriad of people, <laughs> a plethora of people from all different walks of life, including offenders, which I find fascinating and seeing how that correlates to just every day, the Joe Bloggs behavior of you know needing needing the uh, the Mars bar, <laughs> the same kind of the tendency that maybe they would have when they have to go and uh, go and beat someone up or get their get their hit of heroin. So and that, and knowing that we're all similar in that way, and it's just the way that the the mind works. So knowing that we're no different to criminals, and that's actually one of the uh, the chapters in Dan's book, and there's many more awesome chapters like that. So go and uh, pre-order it now, and uh, yeah, thanks, Dan. Thank you, brother. And uh, I know you got up early for this, so well done <laughs> in New Zealand. Uh, any closing words from you, my son? I'd say the main thing is this: what do you, um, what could happen? This curiosity. If you really want to simplify it, it's just going into a situation saying, "Let's see what happens when I be honest in this situation," and you just make that like your mantra. If you really want to simplify curiosity, it's just going in and making everything an experiment by saying, let's see what happens when I'm honest here. Mm. And that will be, you know, 
I mean, if I could summarize the whole book into a single like tool to use, it's essentially that. And you keep, you have to keep asking because every time something goes well, you're going to get needy again. Mm. Or every time it goes badly, you're going to get needy again. You just ask, okay, what would happen if I do this? What will happen if I do that? And just seeing, making life this like series, this movie that plays out and that has no script. You don't know how it's going to go. You just watch it and enjoy. Even if it's a disaster, just enjoy the disaster. You know, well, they, they make the best movies. <laughs> right. We don't watch the movie where the guy just succeeds consistently and there's no right. struggle. We don't watch those movies. And yet we want our own life to look like that. We don't even find that entertaining. But we look back at all our heartaches and struggles when we're having, say, you're locked in the arms of, of, of your partner, someone you love, and you're just enjoying that moment. You, in those moments, you can remind yourself that you went through all kinds of shit to end up here. Mm. And that shit is kind of beautiful in a way. That, that struggle you've been through is what's given this moment meaning, you know. And, um, yeah, there's much more on that in the book. But, yeah, turning everything to experiments you'll slowly realize not only do you actually get more results that way, but by then you won't care. But also the idea is actually that's how you enjoy life. It's just curiously exploring the world until you die. You know, that's it. Yeah. What a way to finish. Yeah, I call that's like through the eyes and heart of a child, just playful curiosity, bringing back that sense of wonder that we've, we, we had at one point and we've lost. And uh, yeah, Dan, you're bringing it back. So thanks for that, buddy. Um, cool, man. All right, well, we're going to sign off now. Thanks, for everyone, for watching, and uh, be in touch. Cheers. Cheers, Brian.